But this was something that God put in the heart of Titus. It wasn't something that Paul did. Maybe Paul introduced Titus to the Corinthians, but it was Paul who put this burden upon the heart of Titus. And I believe that's what God can do in our church as we labor together, as we labor side by side in the work that God calls us to. When we come together to work together, to labor together, having that same desire, that same burden of God is fueling the desire, then it's not out of obligation, it's not out of force. It's a joy to work in that way. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Today we're going to look at a message that I entitled Christ, Our Example, from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to see in verses 1 through 7, the grace of giving. In verses 8 through 15, the example of Jesus. In verses 16 through 24, the collection for the Judean saints. And so Paul says, verses 12 through 15, For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but by an equality, that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack, that their abundance may also supply your lack, that there may be equality. And as it is written, he who gathers much had nothing left over, he who gathers little had no lack. Paul makes it clear here that he did not want to burden the Corinthians in order to take up this offering for the believers there in Jerusalem. But he said, in accordance to equality, it is a Greek word that means fairness or to have a fair dealing with one another. And when the early church began to grow there in Jerusalem, my 365 word did not like me using this. Every time it changed it to communism, I'm not talking about that. I'll explain communism here in a moment. They wanted to have a communism. In fact, in Acts 2.44, it says, Now all those who believed were together. They had all things in common. Acts 2.45, they sold their possessions and goods, delivered them among all as anyone had need. Acts 4.32, 
Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. Now, this was not communism. Communism is a system of government in which the state plans and controls the economy and often having a single authoritarian party holding power, claiming to make progress toward the higher good of social order in which all goods are divided and shared with the people. Communism is nothing more than what we know of Robin Hood, stealing from the rich to give to the poor. And we are in danger of that in our country today. They are pushing these issues even today. Because we learn very early on in the book of Acts that there were the couple, Ananias and Sapphira, who uh, tried to cheat the church, ultimately cheating God. And Peter said, you're not cheating us, you're cheating God. You're sinning against God, not us. So we realize that the problem, whether we're talking about communism or communism, the problem always is the people. Because you have some people who are willing to work and to serve others, and others who are willing to receive and to be served without lifting a finger. In fact, it got to a point when Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica and 2 Thessalonians 3, 10 through 11, he said at this time, for even when we were with you, we commanded you this, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but being busybodies. Today, Paul would say, you know, they spend all their time on social media, watching cable TV shows, and it's just not good. If they're not willing to work, then don't feed them. Then they shouldn't eat. The problem is always mankind, the heart of mankind. We got to understand that we are falling creatures. Yes, created in the image of God, but we are have fallen as a result of Adam and Eve and the sin there in the garden. And the problem is humanity itself. The cure is Jesus Christ. So obviously the church is called to help those who have legitimate need. And there's always that challenge as a pastor. I want to make sure when we help others outside of our church, especially that it is a legitimate need that we're filling in. But I'm also reminded as I'm going through this, my dad, who pastored a church in Zion, Illinois, for 12 and a half years, I remember him saying that I believe that I have been burned when helping others. But he goes, that's not my problem. He said, that's their problem. But I want to be willing to help others. And so he realized that sometimes he would get burned, but he was willing to help, even though he might be taken every once in a while. And I'm sure he was, and I'm sure I have been as well. We look at it, Jesus then becomes that supreme example of this grace of giving. He came from heaven's glory. He took on humanity. He died upon the cross that we who were poor might be rich. And finally, verses 16 through 24, he talks about this collection for the Judean saints. He actually gets into kind of a, 
a little detail of church business here in these verses. He begins in verses 16 and 17. He talks about the heart of Titus. He says, But thanks be to God who puts the same earnest care for you in the heart of Titus. For he not only accepted the exhortation, but being more diligent, he went to you of his own accord. Titus had a heart for the people there in Corinth. And Paul was thankful for it. Paul found a fellow laborer in Christ, that someone who had come alongside him for the work there in Corinth. He found a young man named Titus, although Titus is not mentioned in uh, the book of Acts at all. His name never appears. We do learn of Titus from the book of Galatians and also here in Corinth. He's mentioned in the second letter of Timothy as well, that Paul, he wrote to Titus himself. He's has one of the pastoral epistles is named after Titus, where there in Titus 1.4, Paul called him not only a co-laborer in the faith, but a true son in our common faith. Paul found a co-laborer in Titus, someone who came alongside the work there in Corinth, had a heart for the Corinthian believers. He was a kindred spirit with Paul in this work. But this was something that God put in the heart of Titus. It wasn't something that Paul did. Maybe Paul introduced Titus to the Corinthians, but it was Paul who put this burden upon the heart of Titus. And I believe that's what God can do in our church as we labor together, as we labor side by side in the work that God calls us to. It is not a one-man show, although I may be here in the pulpit. It takes many hands to do the work here at Calvary Chapel of Lakeville, as it does in any church. And if it's just the hands of a few doing the work, then eventually those hands will get burned out. But when we come together to work together, to labor together, having that same desire, that same burden, if God is fueling the desire then it's not out of obligation. It's not out of force. It's a joy to work in that way. Although Paul had exhorted Titus to go to Corinth, his exhortation was not necessarily because Titus didn't want to go, but Titus wanted to go of his own accord. In fact, God laid it upon the heart of Titus to do this work. In verses 18 and 19, he says, and we have sent with him the brother whose name is in the gospel throughout all the churches. And not only that, but who was also chosen by the churches to travel with us with this gift, which is administered by us to the glory of the Lord himself to show your ready mind. So here we have an unnamed brother that traveled with Titus. He was sent with Titus, but not only sent with Titus, he was named in the gospel in all the churches. Back then, Paul did not have to even say who the brother was, of course. The Corinthians, Titus came. Another guy was with him. So the Corinthians read the letter. So you're talking about him. Yeah, him, the unnamed guy in this letter. 
There have been many theologians try to figure out, scholars say, who this guy is. You know, I believe where the word is silent, then we should be silent as well. To try to guess, and there are those who have tried to guess who this unnamed person is, all it is is a guess. And we can't know for sure. We won't know for sure until we get to heaven ourselves. And will it really matter? I think the lesson, and we'll have another unnamed individual here in a moment, I believe the true lesson that uh, God wants us to learn is that the blessing of giving sometimes is to be that anonymous giver, the one that nobody knows. But you're back there supporting. You know God knows, and God will bless you for that quiet gift. There's always in ministry, there has to be a face to the ministry. Somebody has to stand in front or lead a role within the church. That's always going to happen. But those who support the hands of those who lead, hear this man. He was known from all the churches, yet his name was left out in Scripture to us. And no doubt there have been many unnamed saints throughout history who have done great things for the Lord and his church. In fact, Paul's work of presenting this offering, he said, it's not for us, it's for the glory of the Lord himself. Peter wrote in 1 Peter 4, 8, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of God, of the manifold grace of God. Minister, the gifts that the Lord gives us, our talents, our abilities. Peter says, use those for the glory of God, the manifold grace of God, the grace of giving. Once again, just it's part of this charis, this grace. And verses 20 and 21, avoiding this, that anyone should blame us in any lavish gift, which is administered by us, providing honorable things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. So Paul and the churches took great measures to make sure that the gift that was received, it was administered by a party, a number of people went along to make sure what was received made it to Jerusalem. Isn't that so important that we are accountable, the gifts that are given, that we are accountable to the fellowship here is Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa, the gifts that are given and received here, we are accountable to our church, to the church body. Today we find in our world today, especially here in the United States, that we have many celebrity ministers who live in multi-million dollar homes they drive expensive cars. They wear expensive clothing. And that's just to name a few things. And I believe, personally, I believe it's important for a pastor to live within the means of the community that he serves. Like Paul, we are to provide honorable things, not only in the sight of Jesus, but in the sight of others, both within and without the church. And this is true in all things that we do for Jesus we are a testimony to Christ in the things that we do in this world. And how are other people viewing our testimony? And, you know, that changes from time to time, depending on the location we might find ourselves in. We might have a real good testimony with our brothers and sisters in church and not so much with unbelievers outside the church. We might tend to change. And so we need to make sure as followers of Jesus Christ that we don't, 
that we're not chameleons, changing the color of our skin depending on the place where we find ourselves, but we simply live for Christ. Whether other people like it or not, we stand for Christ. And so the proof of the Corinthians' love, verses 22 through 24, as we close out, he says, We have sent with them our brother, another unnamed brother. We have sent with them our brother, whom we have often proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent because of this great confidence which we have in you. If anyone inquires about Titus, he is my partner, my fellow co-worker concerning you. Or if our brethren are inquired about, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. Therefore, show to them and before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. So in verse 22, Paul mentions a second unnamed brethren here again. Name is not important, but he had proved himself diligent in the work and much more in this work. He was accountable. It actually means in a moral sense here, he was worthy of the work that he'd been called to do. This brother who had proved himself in times past, after hearing of the Corinthians' faith and Paul's confidence in the Corinthians, he desired to partake in this gift of grace, to be a, a partaker of this ministry itself. In verse 23, Paul confirms that he said, Titus, he's my partner. He's my fellow worker concerning you. I can say the same thing of Kevin. Yes, he's my son-in-law, but he has a heart for this fellowship in this church. And he watches out, especially in regards to financial things. He keeps me in check. And we never have a lot of finances to deal with, but he keeps me in check. And that's good. He has a heart for this church. Or... He is aware of other ministries. He's aware of other pastors, uh, maybe aware of other religions, things that maybe I'm not aware of. And he'll bring this to my attention at time to time. And, you know, he's helpful in this regard. I, you know, I, there's only so much knowledge can turn around this brain. So it's good to have other people kind of watching your back. Lily does this as well for me. But in verse 24, as he closes out, and the purpose is to show them to the church of Corinth, show them before the other churches, be that testimony, show the proof of your love and the boasting on your behalf. No doubt Paul said that this is what the Corinthian brothers and sisters are willing to do. He no doubt shared this with other churches. Now Paul is saying, we're coming to collect the offering, make sure that our boasting in you was true. Show the other churches and show them your love. So as we serve honorably, may we do so in the sight of Jesus, in the sight of others. Before we close, I, I want to just drop back to the one phrase, according to what one has. When talking about giving, this can be a sticky point in church life. We understand this. Now, I was 17 years old when my dad, the pastor, confronted his son, the PK, 
If you don't know what a PK is, pastor's kid. I've been working for a year, and he asked me, have you been tithing on your income? And I said, no. <laughs> he said, I want you to start tithing on your income. So I did. I started at that point giving 10% of what I earned to the Lord, and we continued that. We, Lily and I, got married at the real old age of 18 years old. We continue that same regard for the past 42 plus years. I was challenged. I'm thankful for that challenge that my dad gave to me. I have discovered that God has truly blessed us. But it began with me. And so I carried it into our marriage. I'm sure Lily would have had no issue with it. She didn't. It's just what we did. I don't even know if we talked about it. We got married. We took our income, and some of that income went to the church. Really, one of the great lessons I learned was in the early 80s. There was a time when I was in unemployed for around 10 months. Here's something that I think was very helpful for Lily and I. I was a brick mason, which meant my labor was seasonal, which meant every year there would be a, a period where I probably wouldn't work. It was difficult, but we learned how to live with less. I think it was very healthy for us. When I became a foreman, there was a point to where I never lost a paycheck, and that was just like wonderful. But prior to that, I often wouldn't have a week's pay. It could rain for a week. I didn't work. I didn't get paid. We learned to not only live that way, but to continue to give to the work of the church. But this was not the lesson that the Lord taught me at this time. The lesson was, after being on an unemployment for 10 months, the church I attended in Libertyville at the time, they had a missions pledge of $25,000. That was their set goal. They wanted you to sign a weekly gift that you would give toward that $25,000 goal. And yet I was compelled to give. I was standing in the foyer of our church looking at this card. I thought, Lord, I've been on unemployment for 10 months. I can't pledge a amount, a dollar amount on this card. As the man of the house, I'll say that deeper. I can't. Um, I was depleted, you know, just emotionally. It had taken its toll on me. And yet the Lord was calling me in this area of giving. And so then I had this idea came to mind and I, I made a pledge to our church, but it was really a, a pledge to the Lord. I pledged to the Lord, I'll give you a half a percent of whatever we make this year. So tithing 10%, we increased it to 10.5%. I didn't know what that would mean, but we did it. That coming year was the best year financially that I ever had as a brick mason. And so that half a percent, it was double to what I was thinking it might be. In fact, I told Lily, man, this was fun. Let's, let's increase it some more. Let's give more to the Lord. And we did. Got through another year and it's like, this is really cool. Let's give more to the Lord. We, we had another percent added to it to the Lord. Went through another year. I'm liking this. Let's do it again. Let's give the Lord more. And we gave the Lord another percent. At this point, 
we were taking some of our offering and just letting it sit in the bank and allowing the Lord to lead us in what he would have us to give it toward. And the Lord had another gift for me to learn, another thing to learn. And I want you to learn to trust me once again with a whole lot less in income. So Lily and I have learned how to abound in our giving and how to receive gifts when things are not going so well. But in the process of it all, we have learned to trust in Jesus. And I think that's what it is learning to trust in him, being faithful to the Lord, because we're going to go through different seasons in our lives, and those seasons will come and go. And there'll be times we'll, we'll be able to abound in our giving to give much more. Other times, we won't be able to. It just won't be there. But I think the Lord, even in the good times and the bad times, he's calling us to be faithful at all times, faithful to him in all ways. We thank you, Lord, for this message that you've given us today. And the challenge it might be for us. Maybe, Lord, giving isn't an issue. Maybe it's another issue that we're struggling with. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. Let go.